I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. First rule of is it really is you don't talk about Fight Club. Uh, but what if I really want to? What if I really want to? Look at the second rule. Rule number two says you can talk about Fight Club if you really want to. Oh. Third rule, Sharp. No shirt, no shoes. I'm Brandon Sharp. His, His name, name is Brandon, Brandon Sharp. I really want to do it. His, His name, name is Brandon, Brandon Sharp. Sharp. <laughs> I'm Zach Smith Michaels. And I'm the middle child of history, man. And I'm Mitchell Dupree, and I'm Jack Smirking Revenge. And tonight we're watching that David Fincher classic and asking, why don't we talk about Fight Club? Ooh, I liked your inflection on that. Thank you. Well, before we get into the episode, we wanted to take a few minutes and talk about some of the exciting things we have coming up here (laughs) in the near future. We are actually launching two brand new podcasts. Count them. That's one, two. (laughs) Brand new podcast. Good, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> Crushing it. That is right. <laughs> one, two. Well, these new shows, one of them is going to be run by Mitch and one of them is going to be run by Zach. So I'm going to be turning this over to them to explain what these new shows are about and tell you a little about them. We'll start with Mitch. Mitch, tell us about your show. All right. My show is called Fantasmic, which is very difficult Ooh. to say without doing jazz hands at my apartment. Fantasmic is going to be a Disney show because I am the big kid of the mm. group who loves Disney. Uh, and basically the idea is Every week, we're going to pick a couple Disney movies off of Disney Plus, and we're going to just debate these movies, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about them. We're going to talk about Disney Channel original movies like Brink and Johnny Tsunami and Xenon, uh, which these are like my favorite movies ever, so I I can't wait. It's going to be super fun. We're going to have guests coming on. So if you really like Disney movies, then you can be a part of the show, potentially. We're going to have people voting on... Which arguments they thought were the best and which movies you want us to do. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Fantasmic's going to be dope. Cannot wait. So, Mitch, if I heard that correctly, 100% Disney movies and shows. That's right. It's 100% Disney, 100% of the time. That sounds like a blast. That's right. So... Let me just recap real quick. Yes. This is a show that's 100% Disney and it's debate style. And it sounds like we're going to be talking about some fantastic titles we are going to be doing some classic stuff too, right? Some your your Beauty and the Beasts and oh, your for Snow sure. Whites and your, your Lion Kings, all stuff of like that. that. Basically, if you have a song in your heart and Mickey Mouse ears in your mm. closet, this is the show for you. Fantastic, Zach. It is your turn to tell us about your new show that'll be launching. Take it away. Well, guys, I finally did it. I tricked the other real boys into letting me host <laughs> my own show. on it. <laughs> so some, some of you had, have pointed out that uh, this show has strong Christian overtones. 
and we thought, let's just go all the way. That's right, folks. We have a new show called Godfellas. And what we're going to do is we're going to be taking a look at Christian media. Some of it's going to be nostalgic. Some of it's going to be new. We're going to kind of look at all of it and not just movies. We're going to look at TV shows. We're going to look at music. We're really going to be looking at it all, which is very exciting. Also, we're going to try to lean towards stuff that's available on YouTube or on Amazon Prime so that you all can keep up and watch along with us and you don't have to spend any of your money on this stuff because some of it, as you'll find out, it's not that good. But we're going to have a lot of fun on the show. We sing songs. We play games. We use our manners. It's incredible. <laughs> Wait, Zach, you mean I don't have to get a PureFlex account to uh, follow along well, with Godvillas? <clears throat> It's four ninety nine a month for a pure flick. So if you want to know what we're talking about, it doesn't hurt. Share it with your friends, <laughs> or your church probably has one. Let's say for a minute though, someone's not crazy about getting that pure flicks account. Are they still going to be entertained by this new podcast? Absolutely, because. We are all believers, all three of us. So we are coming at this through a lens of honest criticism. We're not just here to dunk on these movies and we're not just here to give them blind praise. We're here to actually take a look at some of the most popular Christian media that's out there. So if that's your thing, I would say come and check it out. And even if that's not your thing, Mitch is very, very funny. And Brandon gets a lot of zingers in there too. Wait, so do I have to be a Christian to enjoy the show that's yeah, a great question like, what if i'm not a christian you don't one of the things that i'm actually talking about that i'm super excited about is i'm talking to other people who are going to potentially be guests on the show who are kind of from different walks in their faith some people who are maybe not on the same page as us and that's cool we are going to have conversations about creativity we're going to have conversations about faith with other people but it's all going to be very fun it's all going to be very light so if you are a spiritual person and if you're a person who likes to hear people talk about things that mean a lot to them check out godfellas the small group that meets online well, that sounds fantastic thank you zach and thank also you Mitch. check out fantastic the happiest podcast on earth forgot to say my slogan last little piece of housekeeping just to bore you with some logistics. Some of you may have noticed, most of you probably haven't, but our website has transitioned to realboyspodcasts.com. So we will all, is it really? And Godfellas and Fantasmic will all be under the Real Boys umbrella just to keep everyone's facts in order. That will be the new arrangement. So if you don't know, now you know, Real Boys. Just loaded you up with some great details. <laughs> some nice juicy nugs. Well, Mitch, why don't you give us the synopsis for Fight Club? Brandon, I always do the synopsis. Why don't you give us the synopsis for Fight Club? Well, don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. An insomniac office worker and a devil-may-care soap maker form an underground fight club that evolves into something much, much more. I love it when we keep it short. Well... Why do you think this movie attracted such a cult following? I think that when you're in college, which is when I saw this movie for the first time, there is a lens of, I don't want to be a lame square like my parents. And <laughs> the, the big 
the big flaw of the narrator is that he likes to shop at Ikea too much in the beginning, which, you know, is like when I was a kid, you know, I hate going to Ikea. I don't want to do that. So in some ways, the movie, it can feel like it's rewarding you for avoiding being lame like your parents. (laughs) Yeah, I think the philosophy of the movie, not we're not diving into this already, but like it's a very nihilistic movie, which I think is a very sexy worldview when you're like 19 in the same way that like people who read atlas shrugged at 19 think it's smart right and then you grow up so that's a little bit uh, i think this like it has a very like condescending like you're all sheep and (laughs) if you get fight club then you're really smart it's got that kind of tone to it so i think that's appealing to like college students this movie came out in 99 So I was an eighth grader or a freshman, one of the two. I want to just take this a little more face value, though. I think the big takeaway was we were just young and impressionable. And this was the cool movie at the time. Right. It had Brad Pitt in it. There was fighting. I mean, and honestly, after that, there were these fight clubs that would break out at different people's houses. And it wasn't like a weekly thing. It was like we would have these... Yeah, we no, yeah, didn't know yeah, that. yeah, absolutely, Zach, absolutely. Zach we like, would have like these people. You we would know have these parties. We're doing this, right? They were much. They were much tamer. They were much tamer, and we used boxing gloves. And but I know they would, that it yeah, sparked we would ha- actual, get all these people together. I never took part, but I know that it sparked actual fight clubs in people's homes. This yeah. makes me genuinely concerned for the past use. Like, I hope you were okay. <laughs> My point is that the big takeaway for high schoolers was just. This is cool and there's fighting. Honestly, and it's I feel like it was much, much more of a face value cult following. Right. And it's and it's funny to me. It just shows how people didn't get the movie because their big takeaway is like, yes, we we need to fight. This is this is important. And like, yeah, don't be consumers. Yeah. Let's all be like Tyler Durden. Stop being sheep. Think for yourself. Be like Tyler Durden. Do what he says. Think for yourself. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. It's like targeting <laughs> disaffected youth, like angry right. young boys. Like this movie wasn't well received generally. No, it had no, to it develop wasn't. a cult following. Again, I think the first time that I saw the movie, I remember thinking like it was very, oh yeah, like I just got to stop drinking Starbucks and all this other stuff and not realizing that the movie is poking fun at, you know, at that mentality a little bit. I just feel like this movie is like tailor made for the Joe Rogan crowd. Like the people who listen to that podcast hmm. today loved Fight Club in the 90s. The people who watched Fear Factor or the man (laughs) show. I watched Fear Factor. That's before I knew who Joe was. I just liked the scary spiders. Well, I was going to say like my dad, he was a big fan of Fear Factor and and shows like that Survivor, you know, the best show on television, Survivor, stuff like that. But my dad, I remember one time asking him, dad, what's the worst movie you've ever seen in your life when I was younger? And without missing a beat, he said Fight Club. And then like yep. since then, like my dad has seen like In the Name of the King and like the new Robin Hood movie. So he's seen some like real bad movies. But I feel like Fight Club also, if you're not into all the bro stuff, one of the other polls was like the plot twist in the movie. Yeah, I was hoping we were going to bring that up. That's a big part of it. My dad, that was what broke the deal for him. He didn't like the plot twist. So he was just like, oh, that's not for me but I, I know a lot of people who that's what they sell the movie on i've had friends say you got to watch it for the for the psychological element for the big plot twist and i know other people who are like if you're between the ages of 14 and 30 this is your life yeah. i know both people it yeah. was sold to me as like you got to see this twist man it's gonna change your right. life and when i rewatched it 
it's super telegraphed. It isn't subtle at all. And I know you can right. only watch it with the eyes of someone who's seen it now, but like those mm-hmm. flashes of Tyler are so overt. Right. Yeah. Well, before diving into Fight Club's philosophical questions, we've got to at least briefly marvel at the house that David Fincher built. This is a fantastically written (laughs) question, Mitch. Thank you. Where do we feel his influence? Could anyone else have made this movie? It's it's funny because I wrote down that he respects the audience Mm. and maybe a little too much, which is why a lot of people don't seem to get this is satire. But I think, you know, the characters feel unlikable. The the violence in the movie never felt cool to me. Like all the scenes where they're doing fistfights, like it's hard to watch. And then like little things like the color grading, like watching this movie, I was like, oh, the black like feels really like inky black in some of these shots and like the dark shots feel really really dark so and that really works i feel like for this movie it's just tailor-made for it like those scenes where they're like in the basement and there's a pool of blood yeah the color grading it's really effective i think it just captures the grime of the world really well i think even with his actor choices you've got ed norton fresh off of american history x you've Mm -hmm. got brad pitt fresh off of seven Mm -hmm. with fincher this is his wheelhouse right here psychological thrillers as well, you know, and I just feel like Fincher has a very unique fingerprint and definitely got the tone, but you've got the use of of very familiar actors and, you know, it just, it definitely feels like a Fincher movie. Mm. Right. I would say also his ability to get really good performances out of non-actors like uh, Meatloaf, Justin Timberlake, Tyler Perry, Jared Leto. (laughs) Yeah. This is like the only time I've seen Jared Leto in a movie and not been annoyed. Again, back to David Fincher's scene, or like David Fincher directing this movie. The scene where the narrator beats the daylights out of Jared Leto is unwatchable. For me, it's unwatchable. I can't watch it. Were like, there, it's, yeah, it's, there were scenes for hmm. me that I couldn't, I couldn't watch. It was too grotesque. Well, I feel like, because I did not remember that scene. I didn't remember a whole lot from, from Fight Club. I do remember, though, thinking that killed him, right? Because it should have, because (laughs) he just kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And he makes it. He makes it through that. And that's what blows my mind about, like, like I was saying, all right, if, if up until this point you haven't gotten that this movie is saying, like, this is not a good thing. Like that should do it. And then when I, you know, remember that people started fight clubs in their basement after seeing the whole movie, I'm like, man, that scene didn't (laughs) exemplify that this is a horrible, horrible thing that they're doing. You know, one of the other things, too, that stuck out to me, something I've noticed about Fincher movies is he doesn't like handheld shots like they're usually like set on the tripod. And I feel like a movie like Fight Club could have been much more kinetic in its cinematography, which would have, I think, frustrated me. It's an incredibly well shot movie. So is controversial. The subject matter is you have to marvel at like it looks great. The story is told well through, you know, what's on screen. So you have to at least respect you know, that part of it for sure. Fight Club isn't necessarily stressful to watch, but the subject matter is jarring. Yeah, I've said this before. Like, I think when directors choose to create a sense of distance, like Kubrick did that, right? By the way, right, they shoot right. the movie. It gives right. a sense, and this is maybe me make, making a leap, but it makes it feel like an omniscient, like third party viewer 
in some no, sense. You I know agree. what I mean? Rather than like I'm in the midst of the fight. So right. I feel more compelled to make my judgments. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the intent, but it's what the result is for me. Real quick before we start digging a little deeper here, let's talk about Pitt and Edward Norton's performances. I mean, right? Th- that's undeniable, Good right? Night. They give two. Uh, yeah. They give two great, great yeah. performances. This might be Brad Pitt's best. I agree because in memory, thinking back on it, like when I when I'm not watching the movie. I think the performance feels one note because he's pure id in the movie. But when I watch it, I'm like, oh, no, like he has the scenes where he's really charming, the scenes where he's really scary. Like he does the full range in this movie. He gets you to kind of like him and he's able to take you to the thing at the end where you're where like he must be stopped. But gosh, when he goes off at the end and he is full id and he's just having a blast and he's wearing that fuzzy coat. (laughs) Whoa! Whoa! You are now shooting a gun at your imaginary friend near 400 gallons of nitroglycerin! Thank you, Zach. (laughs) No, I mean, it's it's super fun to watch. I think I like some of Brad Pitt's quieter roles a little more than this, like your Billy Beans from Moneyball. But I want to focus on like Edward Norton for just the the physicality involved in his character when he's in his boss's office fighting himself, yeah, incredible. That that was insane. That was yeah. insane. Yeah, or even like it's it's little, but when he's shaking, when he's getting the chemical burn, I was like, yes. oh my yeah, gosh, he's going all in. And it's and it's funny with with Ed Norton because I feel like there's kind of two Ed Nortons, which I don't want to say there's charming Ed Norton because he's never really charming, but there's kind of like. There's indie darling Ed Norton, and then there's this kind of movie, Ed Norton. So I think about roles that I really like him in, like Birdman, Moonrise Kingdom. But that being said, this movie, I think you get the full range of what he's able to do. Yeah, I mean, he has to go from totally in control, narrating the events, I'm in control of my world mode, to totally out of control at the end. There's just a lot of peaks and valleys in this performance uh, that I think makes it stick out to me. Here's another zinger of a question, Mitch. Fight Club is mostly about pissed off boys. At points, it feels like a cautionary tale of what would happen if men's rights activists picked up the crumbs out of their beards, got up from their keyboards, and did something with their anger. I guess I was a little angry when I wrote that. (laughs) Here's the question. Is this film glorifying or critiquing toxic masculinity? Or is it doing both? It is absolutely glorifying it for me. Here's here's my thing. The problem with satire is the only people who can appreciate the underlying message are people who are already in on the joke. People who know what's going on. So there's an entire generation of frat bros out there that have Fight Club posters on their walls that... Like, take this pseudo-psychology at face value of, this is the way the world is, I'm the forgotten middle child of history, no one is paying attention to me, and that makes me really feel like the movie is dangerous. It feels like a movie that is asking me to feel sorry for men, and, you know, in some cases I do, but I don't feel sorry for these men, they're violent psychopaths. I don't necessarily agree. 
I think that when the line when Ed Norton is in the car with Brad Pitt and he just like right before they have the the car accident when he yells at him like I'm I'm sick of everything you're doing I'm sick of Fight Club I'm sick of this I think that at that point that's supposed to you know be saying to the audience like what they're doing isn't good and it's all nonsense. Like, that's the thing. Like, Tyler's teaching them, like, nothingness, and that's what it is. You know, and it's hard, because I get that a lot of people don't get the movie, and that they think it's about, like, oh, fighting is cool, and, like, oh, maybe if I stop, you know, shopping at Ikea, I'll be cooler. So it's, you know, I don't want to blame the movie for people not getting the movie. Yeah, but I do think it glorifies Tyler. Like, Brad Pitt is the man. And I even... No, it uh, it does. He's the manly, no. virile compliment to the Ed Norton. I think initially you're right. It does glorify that, but it, but also initially, the the concept is much simpler and less dangerous. It's it's a guy who needs an outlet. He has gotten sucked up in the corporate machine. He needs an outlet. He needs a way to blow off steam. He needs a good night's sleep. That's it. You know, <laughs> Brad Pitt is the anti. Edward Norton in this movie. He's there to snap him out of his monotonous life. I think if we had stayed with like maybe finding a healthy way to blow off some steam, the movie wouldn't have been as problematic. But there's nothing healthy about Tyler, though. Like, literally right out of the gate, we realize, like, he splices inappropriate things in a children's film. He is the guerrilla terrorist of yeah, the food industry, treated, as they say in the movie. It's treated like a cool moment, though. It's treated comedically. Like, even when he's, like, messing with people's food, it's like, oh, this guy's cool. Come on. That's exactly what the tone is. I didn't take it that way. I Me think neither. maybe... I thought, I thought it, was it was shocking the first time I, I saw it. It was it. very like, shocking. Yeah, I yeah. think it's oh, shocking, is, too. I don't think that's was, what the film is doing. I think the film is clearly making him look like a cool anarchist outside person to be followed. He's the patriarch of the movie. The authoritarian leader that everyone is drawn to because of how compelling he is. I don't think the movie critiques him enough until the very end. The other thing, too, you were saying this, Mitch, is about like how cool he is. I saw someone get it in the YouTube comment section. Someone understood the movie when it's Brad Pitt giving that big speech about like, you know, we're a generation of waiters and, and all this and like we're the middle children of history. You know, they promised us we'd be movie stars and rock stars. And then I saw someone in the comment section say, this speech is being delivered to us by Brad Pitt, one of the most famous people in the world. And they were like, that's kind of inherently ridiculous, which I mean, Brad Pitt wasn't as famous then, I don't think, but he was definitely like a huge, a huge name. Sure he was. So I think yeah. that he when he's saying that, if you, if you get it, <laughs> you know, then you realize Brad, Brad Pitt two-time sexiest man alive award winner is saying all of this. Like, let me take a step back. Yeah, but I, I do think the movie's trying to have it both ways because, like, they have that exchange on the train where they both look at the Gucci ad and say, is that what a man looks like? And they're, like, you know, mocking models. They're, and they're in lockstep for a very... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They're in lockstep for, like, a very short period of and time, And 30 though, seconds later, sure. the most iconic shot of the movie of Brad Pitt leaning back and the best shape he's ever been in his life after beating someone to a pulp. It's glorified. Right. It's like, whoa, look how ripped he is. 
So it's trying to have it both ways. Sure, but I think that the movie wants to put you also, and I think this is why a lot of people don't get it, the movie wants you to understand why people would fall in love with this guy and why people would follow this guy. You know what I mean? Because I think like to most of us, if you're like, hey, there's this guy who wants you to come hang out in his basement and you all beat each other up for a whole night, most of us would be like, oh, no, thank you. Like you have to see why it's appealing to these guys. Yeah, I just think it could be framed in an economic sense, ra- purely rather than like sure, consumerism sure. is an assault on my masculinity. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. Like that right, that right. element of it makes it dangerous to me personally, because I, I think there's a lot of guys who just they feel they see red. They feel like there's power that's been denied to them. And I get I get that they have those feelings, but movies like this encourage them potentially. I don't know. Well, real quick, let's take it a step further. There's only one female character in this film. Actually, when I wrote that, I was wrong. As I watched it, I was like, oh, there's the cancer patient, too. So there's there's technically oh. two. Women. There's only one who talks to any of the other characters, though. Well, so we're talking about Marley here. Do you think this movie would have benefited maybe from an additional supporting actress, someone with a little bit more to do? It's hard for me to think about what another female character's role would be, because, you know, Mitch, like you were saying, it is a movie about angry men who are feeling like they're being denied something. And there's even a line where, you know, Brad Pitt says, we're a generation of men raised by women. I wonder if another woman is all we need. Like, I really don't. And I know that this doesn't sound great, but I I really don't know what the role of another lady in this story would be because Marla is clearly a problem for him, which I feel like that's part of, you know, the movie dealing with masculinity and Mitch, like you were saying, like, I'm being attacked. You're taking this away from me. So I really I was thinking about, well, who would another character be? Maybe Norton has a girlfriend at the beginning, but like, I don't see it personally. Yeah, I would I would say that I agree with you for the most part. I had a hard time figuring out what another woman would do in this movie. And that made me take it a step further and think, I wonder if the movie wouldn't actually be better with no Marla, no women. And here's why she's treated very poorly. And that's actually my, my, this movie hates Marla. This is, that is my biggest problem with the movie. It was very hard to watch the way. And I realize he doesn't understand what's happening, that he has been with her all night. And then he wakes up and he's Edward again, and he doesn't know what's happening, but the movie treats her poorly. And I think it was cringy for me. And I almost wondered if maybe just like let the boys have their toys and keep the women out. So at least they're not treated poorly in this movie. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. It was just like it was hard for me to watch. Now, I think the message that it's saying about gender would be more compelling to me if there was someone in there to challenge it in any way. To poke, yes, to yes, poke a yes. hole in it and be like, y'all are full of crap. What are you talking about? You know, right. he says we're a generation raised by our mothers. <laughs> like that, what a claim. I would love for someone to call him on it. You know, and right. I don't want this movie to be a, a philosophical debate. But, you know, I, I think if there were a character who weren't treated like Marla in there, I would be more interested in what it's trying to say about what? gender. makes a compelling case about the dangers of modern capitalism. Our lives are more saturated with corporate advertising than ever these days. Do you agree with the film's perspective on the harms of materialism? Absolutely. I think this point the movie's trying to make is is really, really cogent. 
it feels a little bit in some ways time stamped to the 90s but this is my the job i work now it's my first cubicle kind of job and i definitely feel that life of tedium i deeply relate to the life of travel where it feels like i'm just trying to climb this ladder and i'm just trying to get more stuff so those points i think are really really compelling i think a lot of us feel that way in our lives sometimes yeah, to, to jump in on that, like I was thinking when I take a break from social media and I'm not getting bombarded with ads for like, you know, this new T-shirt or these new shoes or this new coffee or this tote bag or whatever, I feel more like, you know, kind of at peace and like content with everything in my life. And then when I go back on, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's a cool T-shirt. Or that's a cool haircut. Like I need it. And that that kind of sense. So I, you know, I think the interesting thing about this movie, though, is that at no point is Tyler trying to teach anybody to like enjoy their life. It's all about value your life. And like you were saying, Mitch, like value your masculinity, but there is no like, hey, find what you like and be happy. Like that's not his drive. His drive is for everyone to, you know, be a mindless drone like he is. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think what Fincher does really well with the the economic stuff is he lays out the problem in the first couple acts of these dudes feel like drones. And then in the final act, he shows the limitations of the nihilist, you know, worldview that they adopt because right. it turns into fascism. It turns into something where they have no identity. Now they're drones under Queen Bee Tyler, you know. Right. It's funny because I was watching the audio commentary and David Fincher was saying, like, I wanted Project Mayhem to feel very much like a bunch of college bros who just read like Nietzsche for the first time. And now their entire life view <laughs> was like radically changed because of, you know, like something that they read, which is telling them, you know, don't believe everything you read. Man, that's so interesting because I wrote it feels like an after school group or activity that transforms into a cult. They do feel young. The people in right. the group feel like young boys to me. I think the way it's displayed is a little extreme. I want to get into this second question here, though, because I feel like this is where the meat is. You know, in the latter half of this movie, the men end up fighting capitalism by creating a fascist anarchist group called Project Mayhem. This is quoting Mitch here. Here's the thing. It's possible a huge chunk of this film's audience is missing the point. Taking yes. the pseudo psychology to heart at face value does that make Fight Club dangerous? Yeah, it, it's hard because I, you know, I hate to say this is a movie because, you know, it's someone's, you know, expression of whatever. But I think about a movie and I didn't bring it up earlier, but we were talking about similar movies. I think about this versus a movie like Joker, which Joker has no message. It's half saying this. It's half saying that there's no clear point. And I get why people think that's dangerous. I think the big danger of this is that people don't get it, you know? So I, I don't know who, who to fault. Cause I, I, you know, I want to say this is a movie and if you don't get it and you do something dangerous, that's on you. But that being said, like this movie is called fight club. It attracts that kind of audience. And it casts Brad Pitt and puts him in cool outfits right. in it, you know, makes sure. him look cool. And right. I, I think it, it does glamorize some some things that makes the points it's trying to make muddy. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally I totally agree with you about Joker. I think it's like a flimsier update of Fight Club in some ways for today's generation with like an in income inequality thing tacked in there. But I do think Fincher convincingly is like examining the shortcomings of the world he's built. Right. But as I've mentioned, because there's all of these mixed messages, this movie, you know, has a line like uh, we were selling their own 
fat back to them. But it's like super fat phobic against meatloaf. It's a movie where like corporations are evil, but corporate sponsorship is good when we need it. Bad power systems are bad, but we have a bunch of dirty cops, you know, like right. it, it's just all over the place in the messages it's trying to say. But it, it it is at least holding a mirror up to, I think, like culture in the 90s, culture today in some ways, and saying, you know, this is the way a lot of men feel in a way that like movies like Joker, I think, just don't accomplish. So I give it credit for its ability to say this is the way the world is. I give it less credit for being able to make a movie around that that doesn't embolden and empower its base of viewers in a negative way. I think if the movie does anything, if it accomplishes anything, I think the way it kind of points to consumerism and materialistic tendencies, I think it, it I think it takes a fairly enlightened approach to that specifically. I think where we get into some issues is the second half of the movie where now we're fighting the man, now we're becoming terrorists. You know, I think it makes a huge jump, like a huge jump somewhere. And at first it was just like, these guys, these office workers, these these waiters, just they're blowing off steam, you know, and I think and, and I think that, you know, and when, when Edward's apartment blows up and that this is my whole life, you know, and the, the Ikea mm. magazine and, and everything that I've this is everything I've accomplished, you know, like I think the idea that your life is all of your purchases and everything right. you've accumulated. I think that yeah. I think the way it kind of waves a flag at that, I think it, that is a good take on those issues. But I think you know the leap that it makes and i think we're all kind of in agreement here that's this this is when we get into some issues you know right i i mm-hmm. think the filmmaker is trying to say you know where does it end like because here's the problem because it starts off as you going i don't want to be a mindless consumer but at right. you know at what point are you able to just kind of be like well, i'm content with who i am this is who i am i think it's kind of saying like what happens when you let the pendulum swing too far and as we've all said mm-hmm. you know i actually was thinking about you know when you were in elementary school and they would have a guy come to your school and tell you not to do drugs like you know it was like a guy with a cool backwards hat who like came in and he was like rapping and doing bicycle tricks tyler is kind of like that but in the opposite way for men like like mitch is saying he's showing up with his cool clothes and his cool hair and he doesn't care and that, like mitch you've actually won me over a little bit in this episode my to, intense to negativity on certain parts of this movie here's the thing i really do love the movie i, I really really like it i just right. think if it's gonna wade into these issues it really needs to do more work on how the issues are portrayed right that's all i think the main takeaway here is that this movie does not hold up in a modern day society i think well, in 99 i think this movie went down like a root beer float. I no. think probably. No. <laughs> yes. No. I yes it it did though. It yeah, did go I'm, down. I I think you're speaking your truth, Brandon. But even when you said like they're blown off steam and stuff in the first act, it's not how I see it. I see it as like we're reclaiming masculinity by being violent and aggressive, and it it scares me even at the beginning. But. You know, it's just different. It's just different interpretations. That's, I mean, that's right. what I'm saying. We're 20 years later. This is not how this was perceived 20 years ago. I mean, even yeah. then, though, people like it, it didn't get good reviews. People walked out of screenings like people were really quick to line up and say this movie is not good. But by 2010, it's a cult classic. So sure, sure, you sure, know, sure, say sure, what sure. you want about like initial review. This movie has has or had a cult following. 
So this was very popular at one oh, point. for sure. Right. But I think yeah. when you're saying it doesn't hold up, I just think like, you know, I think more so this movie never found its proper audience more so because I think it's a movie that, you know, that the bros love. <laughs> so and I don't think that that's who the movie's targeting necessarily. I think that is who the movie's targeting. And I think that's why it became a cult fault, a cult classic. Sure. I think a lot of the issues Edward's dealing with at the at the top of the movie that is that is more indicative of your like 1990s like sure. just the cubicles and the the you different mean ties. Thematically, it doesn't hold up. I'm saying front to back, th this movie doesn't hold up in current society. That no, that's not. I thought you were talking about like the critical and like audience response to the movie because again, it found its audience like on with blockbuster and stuff like that. I thought you were talking more about like the reaction to it holding up, but you mean more the actual movie in and of itself. Yes. Yeah, so the, yes. The, the concepts, okay, gotcha. the ideas behind the movie that just yeah. does not hold up in, in a modern society. Sure. sure. You know, the idea that the only way to kind of get a good night's sleep is to join a fight club. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I do agree with, with something Mitch was saying, and you know, and if there had been like another female, how hard would it have been for Edward to simply meet like a nice guy friend that wanted to go <laughs> golfing or something, or like, <laughs> well, well, those are the guys. I mean, those are yeah. the guys in the support group to to some extent. No, the guys in the support group exist to be degraded. That's why sure. they're there. It's there to no. It's like well, look at the well, cuckold. Look at the guy with man boobs. These are women. That's that's why they're there. I do think if you follow that that example, that second secondary example, then it's not Fight Club anymore. Then it's not that movie right, anymore. Right. We're talking about a different movie. This is the movie where all the office workers go into the basement of a bar and kill each other every night. That's this movie. <laughs> Have you ever been in a fight? Been on the receiving end of a black eye? It might seem strange so many men in Fight Club are eager to experience so much physical punishment, but I think most of us are looking for something to shake up the banality of our lives. While I haven't been shy about expressing my problems with Fight Club, there's a lot in this movie that really works. The idea that the drudgery of capitalism turns consumers into zombified worker bees is compelling to me. It's a nightmare from which tons of people want to wake up. I can't help but think Tyler Durden would think even this podcast is a product of our slavish devotion to mass-produced movies cooked up to keep us docile, a means of staying sane before going back to work tomorrow. Fight Club also interestingly suggests fascism and capitalism are two sides of the same coin. Both turn people into numbers to be used and controlled as a means to an end. And the Project Mayhem subplot shows forcing others to live under your rules is just as suffocating as corporate life and isn't freedom. Here's where the movie runs into a cluster of problems. The men in the film are so terrified society is turning them into women, so obsessed with how degraded they feel by their jobs, so frenzied and violent because of their aimlessness. Their principles, the principles that at first offered a symbolic victory in their spiritual war, ultimately sour and are revealed to be empty and destructive, which is fine, cool, that happens sometimes, but the film spends the first two acts arguing against capitalism so convincingly, the final 
National Act is presented as an unavoidable response to those concerns. Capitalism is framed as an assault on manhood, and the violent, hate-filled actions of the men in the film are at best treated like an inevitable symptom of a societal sickness, and at worst portrayed downright sympathetically. So why don't I talk about Fight Club? Because after watching it this week, I felt like I'd watched a two-hour hate crime. I'm sorry, but I don't talk about Fight Club anymore because I'm old enough now to know better. Here's the deal. I loved this movie when I was in my late teens and early 20s. But if you had asked me why, I'm not sure I would have been able to give you a great answer. Brad Pitt's cool. Okay, what makes him cool? He doesn't care what anyone thinks, and he has cool sunglasses. Hmm, tell me more. <laughs> now, you know what actually makes Brad Pitt cool? And Edward Norton, for that matter. They both act the daylights out of this movie. They both give amazing performances. The movie itself... I can't defend it. The message gets lost in the chaos, and the critique is thin. Do I think it's dangerous? No, I don't. I do not feel like guys are watching this movie thinking, this is how I should respond when I feel trapped by my life. This is what Brad Pitt told me to do. Why? Because people are smart. They know what is real and what is not real. So why don't we talk about Fight Club? Because it, like so many movies before, has faded into the background and become outdated and irrelevant. Why don't we talk about Fight Club? I think that it's impossible to have the same conversation about this movie with two different people. This film is polarizing, and perhaps that's the goal of Fight Club. Perhaps this movie is meant to get you angry about your overly furnished studio apartment. To me, this movie is making fun of the insecurities of toxic men, but if you see something a little more dangerous, I don't think I can tell you that you're wrong, and I don't think that you can tell me my opinion is wrong, and maybe that's why we don't talk about Fight Club. for joining us for our episode on Fight Club. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie-related topic. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a little spare time and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We appreciate your support. We will be back in two weeks with our episode on Forrest Gump, but we will be back next week with our inaugural episode of Godfellas. So go now, find Godfellas on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, and subscribe so you will be sure not to miss out. We'll see you then. Thank you.